Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. So between now and Palm Sunday, really, we're looking at the middle part of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is on this journey to Jerusalem, and that's the title of the sermon series during this season, Journey to Jerusalem. And Jesus is going to Jerusalem because he's accepting the call that God has placed on his life as the Messiah. And what that means is that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to suffer, to go to the cross, to die, and then to be resurrected. That's his call. That's what Jesus' purpose is in his earthly ministry, to go and to suffer on behalf of the world, to overcome death by experiencing it and defeating it. So the purpose of the series is, as we look at Jesus fulfilling his call, as we look at how he goes about that, we're trying to figure out ways in which we can figure out God's call in our lives and pursue that. Everybody has a calling. God has called you to something. You've been given some gifts. You've been given talents. Relationships are in your life. Uh, friendships, people you know, working relationships. God has put you in a situation and created you in a specific way to pursue a call that God has for you right now. But it can be hard for us to discern that, to understand it. So much other stuff can get in the way. So each week, we're just kind of moving along through the room here with a different key word that can help us to understand our calling. And I think one of the ways to understand calling and God's call in our lives, have you ever had one of those moments where things just kind of click and you have a moment of clarity and you realize you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in that moment? I think that's usually God's call on our lives. That's when you are hearing God's call, when you're experiencing it. That's, I think, what we're trying to understand so that our lives are nearly always lived that way. And we can understand that we are following what God wants from us. So, like I said, each week we're just looking at different stops along Jesus' journey. And this morning I'm going to be reading from um, Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. And I invite you to hear God's word. Luke writes, While Jesus was speaking... A Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see, everything will be clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds, and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced, without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves. And people walk over them without realizing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And Jesus said, Woe also to you lawyers, 
For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your ancestors killed. So you are witnesses and approve of the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. When he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile toward him and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us here together. We thank you that you have gathered us, and we ask that you'd speak to us. Help us to hear your word clearly through the scriptures that we just read. Help us to understand the challenge that it presents to us. Help us to understand the comfort that it can present to us. And help us to understand better what your call is in each of our lives, Lord. Open up our ears that we might hear you calling us, Lord. Speak to us now. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've been here at Stonebridge with us for a while, I think you probably know, I like to preach the weird passages, and this is one of those. I'm not sure if you've ever heard a sermon on this, but Jesus is invited to a dinner party, and he just pronounces woes on all the people there at the dinner party. I'm not sure he's going to get another invitation. We'll have to see as the story goes on. But Jesus, he's talking to and about two specific groups of people in this passage. And he's at this dinner party that he has been invited to. And this passage, it gives me pause when I think about the people Jesus is calling to or talking to here. He's talking to two groups, like I said. The first of those is the Pharisees. And that's a word that you might have heard. It's a word that's used in culture. It's usually meant to portray some kind of hypocrisy. But I got to tell you, the Pharisees actually get a bit of a bad rap. Jesus debates with them, and he has his harshest words for them in the Gospels, for the most part. He also says some stuff about Herod that's not too nice. But the Pharisees are the ones he really grapples with. But what we have to understand is, he argues with the Pharisees. He goes back and forth with them because they're actually the best that is there at the time. Pharisee means set apart or separated. And the Pharisees were actually very devout. They cared about God, the God of Israel. They were trying to follow the God of Israel. They were doing their best to reflect on the scriptures, to interpret them. They did extensive Bible studies. And the Pharisees were the Jewish group in the culture at the time that actually believed in resurrection. I mean, Jesus' main message is that he, as the Messiah, is going to be resurrected, and because of that, there's going to be a resurrection to come. The Pharisees' message was the closest to that. There were other groups of Jewish people at the time who didn't uphold the resurrection. 
So when Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees, it's more like a sibling rivalry than like a deep enemy. He's trying to help them to understand that in all of their studying, they've missed a few important things that have led them astray, and he's trying to bring them back. So the Pharisees get a bit of a bad rap in our culture. It's not that Jesus is indicting all of the Pharisees when he's arguing with them. He's just pointing out some ways in which some of them have gone astray, and he's trying to pull them back to the truth that God has for them. So that's the first group that Jesus deals with here. The second group is the lawyers. And before everybody's like, oh yeah, I get it, Jesus. Lawyers, huh? Right? I'm a son of a lawyer. I can make that joke. <laughs> lawyers in that day were a little different. These aren't lawyers who are taking everybody's money so that they can write contracts or something like that. These are more teachers of the law, teachers of God's law. Similar to the Pharisees, these are some of the most devout religious people in the culture. I mean, their lives are spent trying to interpret God's law for other people and for themselves so that people can be living in, within God's will. So those are the two groups that Jesus is talking to here. And I say it gives me pause because they're the ones who should understand what God is doing. They're the ones who are spending the most time in their equivalent of churches, their synagogues. They're the ones who are spending the most time reflecting on God's will, trying to figure out what God's will is. And yet they have missed it so clearly. I think it should give all of us a bit of pause because here we are in a church trying to do the same, to understand God's will. And even after a lifetime of trying to understand God's will, there are ways in which we're going to get it wrong. There are ways in which we're going to misunderstand what the scriptures tell us. There's ways in which we're not going to get it right. And when we do that in those moments, our priorities get all messed up. And I think that's what happened here with the Pharisees and the lawyers. Somewhere along the way, their priorities got messed up. They started prioritizing things that they shouldn't. Priorities are those things that you put in the place of prominence in your life. It reveals what you actually value. And I think if I asked any of you what it is you prioritize, you might have a list of things in your life that sound great. But the way to actually look at your priorities is to really look at your life and your actions. And that's what Jesus does here with the Pharisees and the scribes. He looks at their priorities based on what they are actually doing. And he highlights the ways in which they have gone astray. So I want to just kind of look at Jesus' indictment against them here. I think what, again, gives me some concern is that all it takes is a slight shift in priority and years later down the road, you completely have gone astray. And that's what happened to them. I mean, what does Jesus say to these Pharisees and the lawyers? What does he accuse them of? Well, first, by not washing himself and not washing his hands, Jesus basically accuses them of going over the top. One of the things that was important to the Pharisees, because it was there in God's law, was cleansing yourself before you had a meal. And it sounds like that should be okay, 
I mean, I hope we all wash our hands before we eat, what we know about culture today. But they had started to do this in a holier-than-thou way, in a way that looked down on other people. So this Pharisee is amazed that Jesus doesn't do this. And that's where Jesus begins pronouncing his woes on the Pharisees. So he's accusing them in that moment of going over the top, of adding all of this symbolism to the washing of hands, to the cleansing before a meal that allows them to look holier than other people and look down on others. That's really what gets Jesus going there. But then he also accuses them of greed and wickedness, which I think we can agree are not great. But then he says, tithing mint, rue, herbs. You see, they're giving, they're tithing, but they're not giving in a way that benefits anybody else. They're giving in a way that they can show to everybody else they are giving, that they are tithing. But they're not giving anything that people actually use that has an effect on other people's lives. That's where Jesus is upset with them there. We're also told that they prioritize seats of honor. They prioritize being greeted in public. The Pharisees especially, at some point, had started valuing themselves and the way that they were perceived, and that became their priority. They forgot that God's law wasn't about just blessing them and themselves, but it was about them being a blessing for other people. It was about them caring for other people. Somewhere along the way, it started being about themselves and how they looked. And that's where they went astray. So by the time Jesus confronts them, they're lost. They're not hearing God's call. They're not actually living in God's call, even though they are convinced that they are. That's the Pharisees. With the lawyers, I don't know if, if what, what your reception was of this interaction Jesus has with the lawyer, but I think it's actually hilarious. The lawyer says to Jesus, Jesus, don't you realize you're insulting us also? And Jesus is like, oh yeah, I do. You too, lawyers. Woe to you. He doesn't care. He just throws the lawyers right in the same pot. Because the lawyers there, the teachers of the law, they had lost their way also. And they needed to be called back to the way of God. I mean, Jesus says to them, your ancestors killed the prophets, and you're okay with this. You build the tombs celebrating that your ancestors killed the prophets. You are the teachers of the law. You are supposed to lift up the voice of the prophets. Let the other people know about the voice of the prophets, and yet you're silencing the prophets. That's what the lawyers, the teachers of the law, had prioritized was silencing the prophets. God spoke through the prophets. God challenged Israel and Judah through the prophets. Silencing the prophets is the same thing as silencing God. So you see with these two groups, just how their priorities had gone astray. After entire lives of trying to study, trying to understand God's law, they are not hearing God's call. Jesus makes it clear what the priorities actually are. I mean, he says, giving alms, pursuing justice. And justice is one of those big words that gets thrown around in the Bible, the biblical terms, Hebrew and Greek terms. What they really focus on is the world working the way it was supposed to work. 
things functioning properly, everybody having what they need, nobody being in need, nobody in society going hungry, dying of poverty. In fact, the biblical terms for justice really imagine a world where there is no such thing as poverty, where everybody has what it is they need. That's a priority for Jesus, where he says you should have pursued this. They should have pursued the love of God. The lawyers should have pursued easing other people's burdens, not making things more difficult for others. And they should have pursued listening to the prophets. Jesus tells them those are the priorities. Now, I, I say that this passage, it, it makes me a little unsettled because each of us could be in that exact same place as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law where we've studied the scriptures, we've gone to church, we know what it is God wants, we think. And yet somewhere along the line, we actually started thinking more about ourselves without realizing it. We started turning inward, thinking that the whole point of church was that we look holier than everybody else, that we're the ones who have it figured out, that we have the answers. Any of us could be in that spot. So you could take Jesus's words here and become unsettled with it. But I think there is a word of grace here. Like I said, Jesus calls out the Pharisees because they're the closest to his message in the culture. They're the ones who are closest and he wants them to be part of his movement. And there's actually evidence in the scriptures that at least some of the Pharisees changed their priorities and lined them up with Jesus's. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, there's a big council where the early Christians all come together and we're told that there are Christian Pharisees who are there in that council. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus is a Pharisee that Jesus talks to. And John chapter 3 is where, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the famous passage. That's where it comes from. Jesus is talking to a Pharisee in that moment. Jesus's challenge, it actually changes the mind of some Pharisees. They begin to adjust their priorities. They begin to second-guess themselves. They begin to have humility. And because of that, they're able to hear God's call, and they start following Jesus. So if it's true for them, if Jesus' challenge can change their minds, help them hear God's call more clearly, help them prioritize what God wants, then it's true for us also. If you want to understand what your priorities actually are, Look at your life. Look at the way you use the resources God has given you. I'm going to challenge you this week. Go home. Look at your bank statements. Look at your checking account. Look at where your money is going. How you're using your money. Go home and look at your calendar. Pull it out. How are you using your time? That's the best indication of what your priorities actually are. That's how you'll see what it is you really value. That's how you can see through any potential self-delusion we all might have, is by looking at how you actually live your life and how you actually use the resources God gave you. Some of you, I know, will go home and you'll say, I think I'm actually doing pretty well. And praise God for that. Others of you will go home and say, 
I probably need to change some things in my life. And praise God for that also. But go home, look at those priorities. Look at your priorities, our priorities. And then I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to the end of the chapter. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. In the Gospel of Luke, this is Jesus' key ethical teaching. And it displays what his priorities are for his followers. We talked about some with the Pharisees and the lawyers there in that conversation. But the Sermon on the Plain is directed towards anyone who would want to be a follower of Jesus. And it makes, I think, his priorities clearer than at any other point in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to give you a little preview. I want you to go home and to read it. Also, in your worship programs, the reference is there on Next Steps. So you can find it when you go home, so you have no excuse to read it, to not read it. But here's Jesus' priorities in the Sermon on the Plain. The poor, the hungry, the weeping, those who are suffering, loving your enemies, doing good to those who hate you, turning the other cheek, giving to those who are begging, lending without expecting return, not judging, forgiving. Those are Jesus's words. Well, they're English words translated from Jesus's words, but you know what I mean. That's Jesus's priorities. That's what is important to him. That's what he wants his followers to be doing. And you can't hear God's call in your life, I believe, until the things that break Jesus's heart break your heart. Until the things that make Jesus joyful make you joyful. Until his priorities become your priorities. After reflecting on him and his words, evaluating your own life, and it's a constant process that goes on and on and on, that's how we start to hear God's call in our lives. But if you don't understand what is important to Jesus, you're not going to understand what is important to him for your life. And you can't hear his call. So, I challenge you to go home, look at your actual resources, your time, your money, how you use them. Look at what Jesus' priorities are. See where they line up and be encouraged. See where they don't line up and be encouraged that you can make changes, that you can prioritize what Jesus prioritizes, that he's still working in your life so that ultimately we can hear God's call and we can bless the community around us, letting them know of the hope that we have of the God that we worship, a God who loves them deeply and wants justice for them. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this challenge that you gave the Pharisees and the lawyers. And we thank you that that challenge extends to us. Lord, it is easy for our priorities to get all mixed up. It's easy for us to lose sight of the fact that you call us to be a blessing to others. You don't call us to just worry about ourselves. That you call us to love our enemies. To love those who hate us. That you call us to pursue justice, to pursue your love in this world. So Lord, help us to take up that call. Help us to know what that means for each of our specific lives, Lord. So that we could go out from here reflecting your character in the world, letting others know who you are, that they would have hope. That we can go out from here hearing your call on our lives, pursuing it, Lord, 
so the news of hope and resurrection can spread throughout this world. on my
surrendering all surrendering all find me here Lord as you draw me near desperate for you desperate for you Mercy and grace. Uh...
surrender I surrender